0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. I'm hanging out talking Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris, as always. Christopher, what's going on, my man?
1: Not much. Just wrapped up a little staycation here. Kicked back, relaxed. Had a great time at one of my friend's uh, wedding from college and uh, saw three baseball games last week. So pretty fun. I also golfed. So pretty fun stuff
0: yeah that, that sounds really enjoyable right now i'm getting busier and busier at, by the moment so uh awesome I'm, I'm glad you're able to take some time off and see some killer tribe games uh eight and three homestand for the indians uh we've talked a little bit about them during uh during this homestand but th- they're wrapping this up and are, are taking the show on the road and i, I think that they uh you know kind of righted the ship uh here at home wouldn't you say
1: Oh, definitely. They opened it up with a four-game sweep against the Angels, a team they had to take care of business too. I I was at the Angels game on Saturday, so very fun stuff. Uh, I was also at the Boston Red Sox loss. Uh, They had that game, two bad pitches by – josh tomlin was the difference uh one of four, unfortunately to big poppy but they, they they fought back and and made it a one-run loss uh as they were in it they had a chance in the bottom of the ninth, so they showed some grit they showed some real grit against the white Sox and the blue jays uh combining to go two and one against each of those teams so a 4-2 overall. Uh, they they could have swept the White Sox. Uh, there was an implosion in that loss that we're going to talk about in a minute here. But they had some big-time walk-off wins, uh, three out of the last four games, and a close loss on Saturday to the Blue Jays. Um, and I was at that game, the uh, Tyler Naquin inside the park Walk off home run, and my goodness, the crowd didn't know what to do. They were so stunned. It, it really just uh, everyone was just staying around to just soak in the moment. Uh, it was pretty cool, very exciting play. Um, the look on a bunch of Toronto fans was just priceless. They they didn't know how to react. They were shocked, and I think part of them were like, "Wow, this is kind of cool," but the other part of them were like, "Oh, but my team just lost." <laughs> so it was kind of funny because you could sense that they were trying to appreciate the moment because they knew it was so rare but at the same time their team had just lost so it was pretty tough to do but you gotta love these indians man they this is what a championship team yeah. is made of when you say about they're they're down early in a lot of these games and they fought back and really just gridded it all out
0: yeah so starting the homestand off and we've talked about these games uh last week but you know opening it up with two big blowouts um and then a convincing five to one victory after that those last eight games six of them were one run games and the tribe came out on top four uh of those times so they're four and two in those one run games the other two uh games that that, that weren't decided by one run was uh that was the the opener against the white Sox, three to one and then obviously uh you know that that kind of implosion against the white Sox uh, uh on the 17th on wednesday that was 10 to 7 so you know they're winning really close games and that truly is the sign of a championship or at least a playoff bound team. Um, You know, there were, there have been lots of years where the tribe has had uh, a decent middle kind of 500 record, but just wasn't able to pull out a lot, a lot of one run games. You know, I think they had the one season where they they just could not win these one run games. Um, When you start pulling these together, you know, you're, you're winning these high leverage games you're, you're onto something and I think that it's showing here that the the Indians really are onto something in this homestand uh, kind of established themselves as you know even though we we kind of we already knew that they were a playoff capable team before this homestand I think they you know kind of silenced any doubts that that were kind of creeping into people's minds as they as they were struggling a
1: little, a little bit heading into this homestand Oh, certainly. And it's not just the one run games. It's the way they won some of those games. You know, first off, it wasn't just Naquin's walk off inside the park home run against Toronto. You know, Jose Ramirez has been Mr. Clutch. He beat the Blue Jays both those times with big home runs, one in the bottom of the eighth and the one to tie it to set up Naquin in the bottom of the sure. ninth. Roberto Ozuna against Santana, Ramirez, and Naquin was up 0 2 on all three of those batters. I mean, it's not like the closer was shaky. I mean, they had to earn it. They had to go out and beat one of the better closers in the league to get that win on Friday. That's the stuff championship teams are made of. And, and, Bob, I'm going to go one step further. It's not just a playoff team. That's what you have to do to win championships. You have to win those tight games. You know, Danny Salazar comes back on Thursday, and everyone's, you know, very excited for that. He goes out and pitches terrible, man. Three runs right off the bat, you're in a hole. Right. losing teams lose those games you know they fold the 10th they get down winning teams saddle up and win and Mike Clevenger came in and pitched great in relief he just stopped the bleeding and the Indians battled all the way back for a 5-4 victory and it was it was awesome especially on the heels of that 10-7 loss that that ugly 10-7 loss I mean Cody Allen was probably at his lowest point of the season in that loss, and and Bob, we we might as well just segue into it because we've mentioned it twice now. You know, Cody Allen has had a very good season, Uh, but after that 10-7 loss, there were a lot of calls um, for putting in Andrew Miller as the closer, Uh, and his numbers, Andrew Miller's numbers are exceptionally impressive, but Bob... Would you make the switch? I mean, I know it was a bad game by Cody Allen. Would you make the switch? And for the record, Cody Allen did come in and get the save on Sunday against Toronto for his 24th save of the year. So um, he's still closing games for the Indians. But what would you do, Bob? Do you think that the Indians should cave to that kind of talk?
0: No, I, I don't think so. The the only reason you would make a move this late in the season uh, replacing your closer is if you had a systemic problem and you just don't have that with Cody Allen I, I understand he, he does have five losses to his name but has only blown three saves uh, this season obviously the the one that that is most prevalent in everyone's minds just happened you know last week against the White Sox but and, and it was a, a a huge implosion of, of, of a five-run proportion so uh, obviously that does not stick sit well in people's minds you know it, it it boosted his era from 229 to 316 just in that 0.1 inning pitch so um yeah this might be like the lowest point of, of cody allen's season right now and now that andrew miller's there you know there is some pressure for him to perform at the andrew miller level but you know cody allen isn't a bad closer he's he's in the top third in terms of talented closers having andrew miller freed up to not only go into hold situations but also into situational uh settings when you're facing left-handed batters maybe putting him in 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 the seventh inning and, and and feeding into the eighth inning that allows for more save opportunities for cody allen to then shut it down whereas vice versa Cody Allen now taken out of his element, even though he does have setup man experience. So you take him out of his element, you don't really know what you're gonna get, and and he's just not that shut down guy like Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller's not gonna get the same amount of opportunities that that Cody Allen is gonna get in that nine spot, because Andrew Miller is just a lot more dominant and valuable outside of that closer position.
1: I agree with everything you said, and let me just add to it. And, you know. Wednesday was the low point in Cody Allen's career. He comes back on Sunday, one inning, he gave up two walks, but he also got two strikeouts, gets the save. It's wiped from his mind. Gone. Done. Behind him. Cody Allen has been one of the best closers in baseball. I know people don't want to believe that because for whatever reason, uh, fans just want their closers to be ultimate perfection. Well, he's he's not a Chapman. No, he's not a role as Chapman or or even Andrew Miller. I mean, those the only guy who has better numbers really than Andrew Miller is Rollins Chapman. Every other reliever, I mean, strong numbers and Cody Allen is right up there with them. I mean, he's got 68 strikeouts and in 52 innings pitched, 52.1 innings pitched. Let's look at Jerry's Familia, 41 saves, leads both leagues, 62 strikeouts in uh, 58 innings pitched. Cody Allen has better strikeout numbers than the quote unquote best quote closer in all of baseball by saves. That best closer in all of baseball, by saves, has three blown saves. So does Cody Allen. I'm looking at this list. Zach Britton, zero blown saves. He is the only really closer on this list with zero blown saves. You have to go all the way down to 36 in saves. Edwin Diaz, who only has nine saves on the year for Seattle, with zero blown saves. So I doubt he's been their regular closer for the whole year. Uh, You look at some of these numbers. David Robertson, six blown saves. He's regarded as one of the better closers in baseball. Canley Jensen, who is, most people would argue, is the best closer in baseball. 73 strikeouts with 51 innings pitched, 35 saves, but he also has 5 blown saves. He has a 176 ERA, 0.71 whip, but he still has 5 blown saves. He's given up 10 earned runs, Jensen. Cody Allen, you know, you look, 18 earned runs, that's not ideal. Certainly not ideal. But, at the end of the day... He is getting the job done, and he is effective as a closer, and he's one of the better ones in baseball. I don't think you should mess with this because, it's not, like you said, it's not a systemic problem. Certainly not. Going into that blown save on Wednesday in his last 18 appearances, he had a 0.49 ERA, they said, um, on Sports Time Ohio. I mean, Bob, that, that's that's <laughs> the definition of the guy you want in the ninth inning. And I agree with you. Andrew Miller is their best bullpen guy you don't want to lock him up in the ninth inning and he's really their only lefty i I know that um you know crockett has been up here and and he's been pitching pretty good but andrew miller you want him with those late game lefty matchups if david ortiz comes to the plate you want to have andrew miller match up with him okay you don't you don't want to put cody allen on him because you want to go lefty lefty on ortiz in the eighth or the seventh in big moments you want Andrew Miller to have a number of different roles on this team so he can be flexible, and you can put him in when the bases are loaded and you got to face a guy like David Ortiz, which you might have to in the playoffs, who, by the way, David Ortiz burned them bad in that loss to Boston. You want Andrew yep. Miller on the mound in that situation. So I agree with you 100%. I think they've got it down. Look, no one's saying Wednesday wasn't a disaster. I know, by the way, of his 18 earned runs, five of them came on Wednesday. So... Totally a disaster, but let's remember one other thing. Not a ball got out of the infield until I, I believe that grand slam. You know, I, I mean, I think it was two ground balls and a couple of walks. I mean, it, it really, sure. the damage was. Oh no, there was also a bloop shot into like left. I mean, the damage was just you know a death by a thousand cuts. It, it was a, It was. I'm not saying it was a fluke because it was a terrible O2 pitch for a grand slam, but you know. Stuff happens. It's baseball, man. No no reliever, no closer. Even the best ones I just read off to you are perfect. They're going to have games like that. There's usually at least one disaster game a year for a reliever because they're human, and quite frankly, the guys that they're pitching against are pretty darn good too.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with everything that, that you said as well. Um, I think we're. it sounds like we're, we're in obvious agreeance with that. Not only was it five runs uh, given up uh, – wednesday against the white Sox, but you know the month of april was not really good for cody allen either where he gave up eight of those earned runs so we're talking about 13 of his 18 earned runs in a very isolated amount of games and appearances you know he he exited april with a 697 era so i I find it interesting that now is when we're clamoring for him to to get out of there when he did struggle so mightily in april obviously it's it's due in part because we have such a, a viable solid option to replace him but I don't think there's any need for replacement.
1: Yeah and also Brian Shaw was struggling mightily then too so the the guy who was next in line to be closer wasn't an appealing option in April so Brian Shaw that is. If Brian Shaw had been pitching like he had been the last two years I think some of the noise would have ratcheted up a bit Um, but Certainly, there were some bullpen problems in April, but you're right. I mean, when you bring in a guy like Andrew Miller, who has the insane numbers that he has, I mean, the guy, it's just you look at him, he's only walked eight batters in 55 innings. He has 90 strikeouts in 55 innings. He has 10 saves, 20 holds. He still has some blown saves, two blown saves for Andrew Miller, so he is not perfect. A seven and one record, a one forty seven ERA, an 0.73 whip. He's only allowed nine earned runs and ten total runs on the year. Bob, this guy is a beast. And I don't want him locked into the ninth inning because A, he's he's probably the, he's he's definitely their best reliever. And B, he's their by far their best left-handed reliever because he doesn't really have any competition for that. Um, you do not want to lock this guy into the ninth. You want him to pitch in very versatile situations and match him up. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I'm I'm super happy Andrew Miller's on this team. It's been really fun watching him contribute because he he has been dominant for sure. And I, I totally understand the 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 temptation to put him in that ninth inning, but he's dominating regardless and is setting Cody Allen up for. Uh, more save opportunities and better save opportunities because he's able to contribute in a, a variety of ways. So I think it's really good. Um, we talked a little bit about it, but man, Tyler Naquin two walk off games in a row. One with the most lame version of a walk off in a sacrifice fly, <laughs> and then the next one in what has to be the most exciting. I mean, that has to be the most exciting play in baseball ever. Like the walk off inside the park home run. I mean, it's it's a lot more drawn out than the instantaneous satisfaction of a walk-off home run. Um, Chris, you, you were there. I mean, you
1: described it a little bit, but how? let's talk about it again because it was awesome. How awesome was it? It was unbelievable. First off, since 1945, there have only been 18 walk-off inside-the-park home runs. So, a very rare feat, as I'm sure most baseball listeners out there know. But... It it was unbelievable because there was was a number of levels of excitement. First, when he hit it, everyone thought it could be a walk-off. Because it went to the wall. Hit off the top of the wall. The right fielder jumped for it, ran into the wall. And that allowed the ball to bounce in a way that it was very, very tough to get to. And with Naquin's speed, I'm thinking, man, he's got a triple, no problem. But then when the Blue Jays got to that ball and Naquin was rounding third I'm like oh my gosh this this is it this is it and and I think the crowd just started feeling that too and the energy just lifted right back up it was such a great moment of anticipation I mean it's almost as if like you know the what what makes a walk-off three-point shot so great is that anticipation as the ball hangs in the air did he get it off in time and will it go in you know did they get the throw-off in time, and will Naquin get in safely? I mean, there was that level of anticipation in this play, and it's it's the slow burn that baseball doesn't have all the time. So it was a very special and rare moment to experience that, and the throw wasn't even close. Naquin was in, and it was just euphoria because everyone in the stadium is just like, oh, my gosh, what did we just witness here because – everyone knew it was just a rare feat and it was exciting and it was the best way to steal a win because again azuna was on he was ahead two in the count on, on all three batters i mean it's not like this guy yeah. was just lobbing up lame ducks there i mean he just made really two bad pitches and uh you know credit to ramirez and naquin for capitalizing
0: yeah and he also had probably like the coolest pose of like celebration ever he just kind of freeze-framed fist pumped and it was awesome like I, <laughs> I, I I just watched the ending a, a lot of times and I was just like, yes, <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, such an exciting way to, to cap off uh, what, what has been a really good homestand. I obviously played it a couple of games after that, but um, yeah, they're, they're hitting the road now going to Oakland. What, what are you looking for in, in terms of signs of improvement? What, what, what is there to fix right now?
1: Got to take care of business against Oakland cause you got four against Texas after that that's going to be a huge series the two teams going back and forth for that number one seed two of the best teams in the american league certainly a playoff test so you definitely want to split with texas you can't assume that you're going to take three there um you definitely got to handle your business in oakland at least take two and just keep doing what you're doing i mean really they don't this is the kind of baseball they need to be playing you know they've got that terrible week a couple weeks ago when they got destroyed by the twins and the yankees out of their system. Got some home cooking, right at the ship. Now they just need to take their show on the road and have a respectable road trip. I'm looking for four and three. You know, nothing too special. You're facing a really good team in Texas four times, and then Oakland is a team you should, you could sweep Oakland, but again, if as long as you win the series and take care of business, I'm fine. So just keep playing the kind of ball that's gonna get you to the big dance because the Indians are in the driver's seat, the Tigers are the ones who have to play catch up. As long as Cleveland takes care of business, they will be there
0: yeah for sure i'm in terms of this road trip i'm looking at salazar and tomlin uh salazar pitching against oakland tomlin's going to open the series against the rangers two guys that have been struggling um you know tomlin had that great opening season he's coming back down to earth a little bit or just isn't getting the offensive help that that kind of let us uh look away from his deficiencies earlier in the season and then salazar just coming back from the dl and even when he uh was about to be placed on the dl just hasn't been himself you know he he was looking at like a Cy young contender at one point during the season um i don't think that he's much in the running now just because of, of the poor play that he's been giving hopefully he can write the ship and, and and rebound and start to regain some footing heading into september
1: yeah and texas is a hitter's park so that's going to be a big test for tomlin who does struggle with the long ball at time it it bit him against boston so certainly a big test for tomlin coming up in texas but you know again you, you said it best i mean he started off on cloud nine and he's definitely come back down to earth this is more the josh tomlin that you know people should be used to so you know He's a very good pitcher to have in your rotation. He's just, I don't, I think you said it best, those first couple months he was playing a little bit above uh, what he normally does. Still a great guy to have anchoring that rotation. So big test for him in Texas. Uh, Again, as long as the Indians take care of business, they should be in the playoffs because if they take care of business, Detroit would have to just play lights out phenomenal baseball to catch them. And, uh, you know, that's tough for anyone to do. Yeah, definitely. What, one last thing. Tyler Naquin, rookie of the year. Come on, man. It's got to happen. And walk off inside the park home run. That should clinch it. It should, it should be over right now. Yeah, I I I think uh, he, he has to be the favorite right now. I, I mean, the guy's stock has never been higher. All he's got to do is close the year solid, and I think he's got it. By the way, also, big props to Naquin for not just looking at that shot that went to right field. Because off the bat, it looked like it was just going to be a home run. Props to him for getting out of the box and running, because if he doesn't do that, it's maybe only a triple. So, Very true. Memo to all you youngsters out there trying to play the game of baseball, never assume, run out the box. It could lead to an inside-the-park home run.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, good points absolutely all right moving on from the indians uh the cleveland browns are getting closer to real football they played their second of four fake football games in the preseason uh, losing to the atlanta falcons 13 to 24 um chris what's your takeaway from, from week two
1: i did not watch much of the game uh look preseason football it's really really hard to watch preseason football it's it, it feel it looks like football for a second then they start playing and you realize that it's preseason football it's one of the biggest letdowns in the world you go to a channel it's like oh it's football and then they snap the ball and you're like oh no it's preseason football so I didn't watch much of it but I did see another great connection from to RG3 to Terrell Pryor for a big touchdown excellent I mean Bob I'm really getting excited about the fact that Terrell Pryor is looking like a guy who can really give the defense some problems get them playing on their heels uh look I I definitely think he needs to still develop as as a bit of a route runner and whatnot but man if he can burn with his size and get behind the defense that's going to Get people game planning for him, and that could open things up for some of these other weapons on offense, could open things up in the running game a little bit. If you have to bracket a guy like Terrell Pryor, I don't know if you can with Josh Gordon on the other side after week four. So it is going to be uh, very exciting if Terrell Pryor can uh, put together uh, his talent and become a really strong option on the outside there. And RG3 throws a very pretty deep ball. Uh, Definitely needs to work on his intermediate throws. That's always been a problem with him. But it's encouraging to see that RG3 is still scrambling, but he's sliding. He's taking better care of his body, trying to avoid those big hits. Uh, so I, I like the fact that this offense is coming along maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. But man, Bob, that defense, there's going to be some big-time growing pains on that side of the ball. I just don't see – I mean, yeah. you're, you're playing a lot of young guys. Atlanta, when their starters were in, just ran run all over them. I mean, it just it just wasn't yeah. even close. And, and the run defense has always been a problem. I don't anticipate that changing this year. I just hope that as the year goes on, this unit can get better because there's definitely going to be some growing pains.
0: Yeah, forty-one carries for two hundred twenty-four yards and two touchdowns from the uh, Atlanta Russian core. Um, yeah, not looking good. Uh, the Browns defense doesn't really have a bright spot that I can kind of turn to. Usually, you can just turn to, to Joe Hayden, but we still really don't know what we're getting from him. Um, so, yeah, that that defense certainly a work in proge- progress, and I don't have uh, a whole lot of takeaways from that game other than that. I hope it was just a preseason. Uh, mirage and that they're actually better than that they better be or it's going to be a really long year Um, in terms of the offense I mean I know I just dismissed the defensive inefficiencies for preseason but Terrell Pryor did beat Desmond Trufant one-on-one for a beautiful catch and I think that is an amazing thing to say you know Terrell Pryor looks like a number one wide receiver and I think that's awesome Um, that was his only catch Uh, he was only targeted twice but still you you he has not played an official nfl game as wide receiver yet so i i wish that he kind of was would get some more reps than just like with the first unit um but it, it was definitely encouraging the second straight uh game in, in which terrell Pryor made a made a big play and robert griffin just looked a lot better this 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 timeout. out granted he only attempted eight passes but uh six for eight uh only took one sack and, and had a really nice run as well so it is encouraging um i again i just want to see some more i guess
1: bob we the browns might actually point to their passing game as a strong point of this team and i and yeah i'm trying to reel it in here but you know the running game it's still kind of fuzzy as to who's going to be the top running back i like duke johnson but can he stay healthy isaiah crowell has shown flashes but hasn't been able to put it together RG three looks like he's back at least back to a, a serviceable level he throws a great deep ball he still has some of the flaws he has always had but he looks like he's back and, and if he's your quarterback he's shown he can at least lead a team to the playoffs now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen don't don't get me wrong please but he yeah I'm not going to hold a, you to that <laughs> right he can run a competent passing offense and you got Josh Gordon on one side, you got Trell Pryor on the other, you got Gary Barnage, who also made a fantastic touchdown grab that game. Those are three really good weapons, and that allow guys like Coleman to break into this offense a little bit easier and maybe not have the weight on the world at their shoulders, and they can develop a little bit. And maybe, maybe the best option for the Browns is to just run this strong west coast offense and see if it works I mean I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth because that's something you never say about the Browns but right now it looks like that that is their calling card
0: yeah for sure I, I think Hugh Jackson's strengths obviously is the passing game and working with big strong wide receivers and, and a number of different quarterbacks so it it, it looks like it, it could be true um we we'll just have to see when, when official football is being played in Cleveland and, and we can see exactly where these guys stand. But it's it's absolutely encouraging and it's much better than, you know, them looking like garbage in the preseason. So it's great. I I think it's exactly what it should be right now, which is awesome.
1: Two more weeks away, Bob. Two more weeks away, and then we'll get to do our big, huge NFL slash Browns preview podcast and make some predictions. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that, that will be very fun. I'm, I'm ready for football. I did my first fantasy football draft last night, so uh, I'm getting ready for sure.
1: You want to know what's crazy, Bob? This is the first year since 2005 I will only be doing one fantasy football league.
0: That's awesome. Trim the yeah. fat, man. I'm trying my best to cut back from six a couple of years ago so
1: <laughs> i remember going in your room you had this uh whiteboard on with like a bunch of columns and yeah. stuff to keep all your players tra- straight man it's tough I-, I mean with with all the high school football work i do and all, all the freelance assignments i do in uh in the fall it's it's just tough to do more than one league nowadays and i've got a league that i've been in for now this will be my 12th season with a bunch of college buddies so uh you know that one definitely takes priority uh not just in football but all of fantasy though i mean what else is going to compete with football during football season i mean baseball right. wraps up for maybe a week but it's uh it's not gonna you know take my attention away from football so you know i, I just wanted to put all my focus into that one and and, it- and it's gonna f- i think it's gonna feel pretty good to just you know only have one league and uh it should be nice. Now now. Then the the downside is if I don't do well in this league, there's nothing to take the sting off. I don't have I don't right. have my bets, so um, Yeah, you're not really diversifying. All, yeah, it's all or nothing here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: but I mean, you you probably run into this with your six different leagues. Isn't it frustrating to have like y- you've got um Adrian Peterson in one league and then you're facing him in another? I mean, I I always hated that about playing in multiple leagues.
0: Yeah, I would find myself in the craziest situations where I would have to cheer and boo like six different dudes on the field in one game. You know, like oh, throw it to him, but just for like ten yards. I need a point here, but I I'm playing him in the other one. I don't even get two points if that happens. I, I I'll lose that one, but I will win. The, it, it's crazy, and that's why I'm tr- trying to trim it back. <laughs> um, yeah, but and and I get re- really confused sometimes. I'm like, oh, I have him, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, I. I don't have him on any of my teams. I don't know why I thought that, but, um, (laughs) that's why amazingly though, in so many leagues, I find myself drafting the same players and I don't know if that's good or bad. Sometimes I try and mix it up intentionally. I still come out with the same dudes. So, um, I don't know. We we can talk fantasy football, maybe we can do a whole episode about it, but, um, yeah, I love it. (laughs) I'm really excited for it to start.
1: It's the best fantasy sport because it all happens on one day. That's my thing is that it's just so intense for one day. It actually feels like you're facing someone in a game. And then you can have like this sort of fourth quarter field if you're facing a guy on Monday Night Football. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, it, and, and it, with
0: with the games being broadcasted, so many games being broadcasted nationally, it, it, it gives you reason to watch all those games as well, which is great.
1: Not that I wouldn't anyway, but... It gives yeah, you an extra There are it?
0: some where I definitely wouldn't have watched that I've definitely watched with interest because of fantasy football though. True. Like it, can <laughs> <laughs> it can be Titans games.
1: It can be gut wrenching though, man. It is the worst is when you only have like a narrow lead on Monday night and then uh you're facing a big running back and it's just like, Oh gosh, don't store a touchdown, please.
0: You watch it slowly just ebb away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. It's like the jaws music playing in the background as your fantasy league gets devoured.
0: Yeah. That's usually when I go to bed early. I'm just like, I'll, <laughs> I'll see it in the morning, but all right. Well, we, 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 we diverged a, a little bit too much off topic here. Um, moving on from the NFL and gearing up for the other, uh, football that's getting ready to start a little bit sooner th- than the NFL and that's college football. The official AP preseason poll was released, um, chris the our our hometown ohio state buckeyes uh ranked sixth in that poll uh what are your thoughts on, on on that do you agree disagree
1: by name sure why not but when you lose 18 starters six in the nation's pretty high i know urban meyer is an excellent coach but six in the nation's pretty high for me i i have a hard time believing that the buckeyes are truly the sixth best team in the nation. Um, especially when I look a few rungs down at number eight and the most disrespected team in this poll being Stanford. Um, I I don't see how Ohio State's better than Stanford at this point. I think Stanford is a top four team. I think I really like the the Cardinal there. So I, I just think that I'm a, maybe a little bit too high, but I understand they're a big name. They have a big coach, in Urban we trust. All they really have to do is win the Big Ten, and they they might be there. But I I just have a little bit of a problem with a team like Stanford being so far behind them. I I just that 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 rubbed me the wrong way. I think Stanford's a much better team than than what's being shown in these rankings.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I I think there are a couple teams ranked a little bit too low. Um, man, I, I just wonder if JT Barrett also graduated, where would the Buckeyes be ranked? Would they still be a top 10 team? Do you you think so? I mean, do people pay attention? I mean, you don't think they would be?
1: No, because then they lose really all their playmakers. I mean, I think JT Barrett's the only reason they're in the top 10. So JT Barrett is worth what? 10,
0: 10, ranking, 10 spots on the rankings
1: i'm not trying to to justify the logic i'm just telling you what i think i I think that that them returning a quarterback is is a big plus for them because i do think people weight the quarterback position maybe a little bit too unfairly high especially in college because i mean you're talking about you hear all this talk out of the sec about quarterback competitions and stuff and that's never really bothered them in the past you know i i I don't get that and you look at Ohio State; they lost their entire offensive line. I mean, come on, man. Ezekiel Elliott, a lot, of, a lot of really big names on offense and defense. Joey Bosa. I just, I mean, it was great on NFL Draft Day getting all those guys drafted. That was great for Ohio State. But and yeah, they've got a lot of recruits coming in the next two years. But this year, I do think they're going to be young. It's gonna, well, they are young. There's gonna be some growing pains. We're gonna find out a lot about them right off the back two weeks in or th- week three for them their third game they will face oklahoma uh that's gonna be a tall task for the buckeyes especially this early in the season so um i did not i did not know that that
0: oklahoma series
1: started this year oh yeah it won't it won't take long for us to find out just what ohio state's really made of because they're going to get a tall test in oklahoma this year and uh you know if somehow they could win that game then man that would really justify their ranking and urban meyer would probably go down as one of the best well he already is but he could be the best coach in all of college football if he does that with turning while turning over 18 starters in oklahoma looking like a locked and loaded for another run at the national championship so that's a very big game for them Uh, i would assume ohio state would not be favored to win it but hey you know what uh again, Urban Meyer's been recruiting. I mean, it's not like Ohio State's empty. You know, he has had top recruiting classes. He's shown he can develop guys. We'll see. But I think preseason number six a little high for me. I, I don't think that they're the sixth best team in the nation. Yeah, I I
0: have to agree with you, but like everybody in the entire nation, uh, we don't know <laughs> about any of these teams. And I mean, we can make some educated guesses like you know last year's Ohio State team returning everybody after a national championship. We could probably make an educated guess that yeah They are a top five team probably the top two um, But for all, most of these teams, we don't know and I think that's the most frustrating thing is that this preseason poll carries so much weight for, for the entire season that you know, they they very well could be the best team in the nation could be ranked 15th right now And we just don't really know and that's it's really frustrating
1: one thing I like though is that the committee does its own rankings and it's not necessarily based off the polls. Now they say it's not. I don't see how the polls can't influence it in some way. But if I if I were college football, I'd somehow say, "Look, no polls until 4 weeks in or something." I mean, you you can't yeah. you can't do this to teams, especially back in the day when the preseason poll really meant everything. You know, Teams don't play that tough of schedules, generally speaking. Okay, That's why these rankings don't change much. Because most of the time, 8 out of their 12 games are against subpar teams. And there's really only at most 4 games that are legit, okay, let's rally the wagons for this. Like Ohio State-Oklahoma, that's a big boy game. But look at Ohio State's schedule and... Other than that, I mean, you got your Michigans, maybe another tough Big Ten game. Not more than four tough games on that schedule. And and you can go down the line in pretty much every team. And I know we had a big debate about the Big Ten and SEC, but the SEC has an underbelly too. Okay? There are bad teams in the SEC too. There are mediocre teams in the SEC too. It's every conference across the board. I don't care what ESPN and people tell you. Uh... Every conference has an underbelly and teams that just aren't that good. So it's not just Ohio State. It's not just you know Alabama. It's not just Clemson. It's everyone. And the other issue I had with the poll is Michigan, number seven. Come on, man, what the heck's going on there? I, I yeah, I don't think they're the seventh best team in the nation.
0: Yeah, I don't. I understand. Well. Michigan could, have, could look semi-alive in a season and they would get a, a really good ranking in the preseason. You know, they, yeah. they looked better last year than they have in the past six years, but, you know, they <laughs> looked really bad in some of those years. And they still didn't beat Ohio State, still didn't beat Michigan State. They beat a lifeless Florida team at the end of the year in their bowl game, and they lost to Utah at the start of the year. So, I don't know. I, I need another se- season uh, of proof that, you know Michigan's legit, but you know they're aided with that number seven ranking now. So you know they could theoretically absorb a loss and still be in that playoff contention, which I don't think is rightfully fair uh, for a team as unproven as them. Um, I'm looking uh, myself at Florida State at number four. Um, huge question mark at quarterback now on Sean McGuire. Uh, I, i think they knew about this one yeah they they did sean, sean mcguire uh is out for for the first half of the season i think getting a screw inserted into his foot so there's a big question mark at quarterback obviously dalvin cook with the is a heisman contender at running back and they do return some talent but uh you know florida state was down last year at 10 and 3 and now they're uh, they have really nobody at quarterback and they're starting the year off against Ole Miss, who who's ranked number 11 i think that is uh is, is the the first team that we're going to see a big shake up in that top five
1: yeah you know, certainly i mean look i don't think this top 10 is going to hold I, I see some suspect teams i, I i'm not 100 percent sold on tennessee yet I, I understand they got a lot of talent bubbling up you know they've they've been recruiting very well they were in some very close games last year but but let's see them do it you know that's that's my question is that and and I get it. You know, these guys, the AP, the coaches, they're forced to vote. I mean, they, they have to vote. I'm not necessarily blaming the people that are voting. I'm blaming the process for making them make these guesses when every year there's so much turn in college football. Why not give them three or four weeks to watch these teams as presently constructed and make a more accurate measuring stick? That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on, on that one. I think uh, it just gives – it skews the the perception i think more times than not the cream does rise to the top but you know, you get in these sticky situations when you know teams jockeying for that number fourth spot in the playoff and uh if the sixth ranked team was ranked three spots higher at the start of the year they probably would be the fourth team though
1: but one other thing i mean just to to reiterate this that The committee can do whatever it wants. It does not have to listen to these rankings. In the BCS era, these rankings were worth a combined 60% of the formula. That's a huge... I mean, not the AP. There was the Harris Interactive Poll, which was essentially a you know, dumbed down version of the AP poll. But the point is, these polls had a ton of weight in the BCS era. In the committee era, they are not bound to them in any way. They do their own rankings. So I do like that that the committee does not release its rankings until midway through the year. They watch the teams, they weigh conference championships, they can put things in context. I do like that process that it is at least not bound by these preseason rankings. So there is an opportunity to go and make a correction if there is problems in the preseason poll. Like Ohio State last year. Ohio State got the number one ranking, de- deservingly so. They returned everyone and won the title. I believe that if you return everyone in our defending champs, you've earned it. But they struggled throughout the year, and I don't ever think they were number one in any of the committee's rankings. I think the highest they were were three or two, even though they were undefeated in the defending champs. So the committee has the ability to correct any problems that will arise from your know, teams being overrated or underrated.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, we will have uh, a big college football preview, uh, particularly uh, uh, regarding the Buckeye season and, and that big uh, early matchup against Oklahoma uh, on a podcast probably next week. Isn't that right?
1: Next week, man. Labor Day weekend's fo- college football kickoff. It's back. Yeah. yeah. Be very High cool. school starts this Friday in Ohio. So. High school's already back, started Bob. down here. <laughs> yeah, football's back, man it's uh it's like a high school gives you gets you you know the appetizer not not to knock high school football it's very fun but then college you know revs it up a little more and then when the nfl's in there it's just the triple threat of high school fridays college saturdays nfl sundays there's nothing better for those like nine or ten weeks when they're all going at the same time so very fun stuff
0: yeah yeah absolutely uh glad it's back um all right well the olympics are officially over chris uh, have you had a chance to to watch any last time we talked you weren't uh really able to watch much
1: well i made a bold prediction last monday about team usa not Olympic gold. i wasn't
0: gonna i wasn't gonna bring that up but uh
1: well no i have to bring it up because i made the prediction so i'll own it but man i did not see them winning that gold medal match the way they did i mean they had struggled all tournament especially with serbia and australia i thought they would at least be a good game they put the hammer down for the first time all tournament and won their third straight olympic gold medal so congrats to team usa i was wrong uh I should have known better, but hey, that's why it's a bold prediction, right? You gotta, gotta have a low chance of it being succeed. Yeah, succeeding. I mean they were
0: on on course for for failure for sure. They were uh, some of their gameplay was, was very concerning, but they seemed to have right the ship or at least played the teams that were suited for them to beat. Um, no surprise that that they won the gold medal, but um, it w- was fun to watch at certain times, and then it was just outright b- boring to watch at others um what else did you watch if anything
1: that's about it man I, I did not watch much of the olympics this year um honestly it's just not it's not that i have anything well i i do i i you know i have a little i'm not gonna get into it here but it's just not something that I get all juiced up and revved up for you know it's not it's not like I say you know hey I gotta go watch the Olympics you know I certainly follow them I certainly have a lot of respect for the athletes that um you know go and compete um and it's and it's certainly fun to to watch the highlights and things like that but but to me I just you know when when you go and look on TV for an event you turn on and then you have to watch you have to like wait and sift through and they're like oh we're cutting to this then and 30 minutes later is when you finally get the event. I mean, there's it's just I feel like television has ruined it a little bit in the sense that you, you really it's hard to know what events are going to be on when sometimes. And I don't know. I, I I would just much rather just watch the results and watch what happened and just kind of follow it that way than watch it live because I feel like you have to sink so much time into it. that That's just my own personal view on it.
0: Well, I do think this year more than ever, because of streaming, because every event was available online through various apps and medias, um, that kind of broke that mold. And I had a, I had a blast kind of flipping through uh, just random stuff and watching it. Um, my last takeaway for the Olympics in this last week is Ashton Eaton, the decathlete from America, successfully defending his gold medal from London in the decathlon and and successfully defending his olympic record uh score in in the decathlon and if you talk about the olympics which is a competition of athleticism i mean is there not a more perfect competition than the decathlon i mean you're doing every single track and field event and he's the best at, at all 10 of them which i think is fantastic and unfortunately you know usain bolt not unfortunately, but uh, you know, Usain Bolt and Allison Felix, you know, get all this limelight and attention, but Ashton Eaton is has is was the ideal Olympian. He won the decathlon, and I think it's fantastic and it is probably the most impressive feat that you can do at the
1: Olympics. Oh, certainly. I mean that that I mean, you've gotta be an athletic freak to win that event. So uh, you know th- there are certainly some fun sports to watch out there. I like when I do get into the Olympics, I do like to go find the sports that that are kind of a little more obscure. Not that track and field is more obscure, but like water polo or you know things like that 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 you don't see ever in, in, except for the Olympics. So that's the fun part of the Olympics to me are are events like that and stories like that. Um, but definitely gotta tip your cap to Usain Bolt. They, the man's insane, insane Bolt. I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. Taking taking that for granted, just how dominant he is uh always makes it look really easy too which is crazy yeah it was really fun watching him
1: and one shout out to tiana bartoletta or um should i say tiana madison uh she's from Elyria, ohio so she is a northeast ohioan uh gold in the women's long jump and another gold in the women's four by 100 by 100 meter relay so two gold medals for a cleveland area native uh very cool bob wouldn't you say for sure that long jump uh was fantastic and uh that four by
0: 100 obviously mired in a little bit of controversy with the the handoff that got failed and they were allowed to run it solo to to qualify for the finals but obviously uh you know their their legit relay team winning the gold medal so um pretty pretty cool to see with for, for a local for sure
1: but unfortunately uh this olympics uh there's gonna be one story well there are a couple stories but the one i'm thinking of is the ryan lochte thing i mean bob i mean how how big of a joke is this guy right now
0: well he's always been a joke Uh, i'll be a very talented swimmer but um you know we're already just laughing talking about him that's just kind of his persona um I hope that that isn't the main takeaway from the Olympics though. You know, the media machine is churning it out a lot. Um, it's, it's completely stupid. Um, and I think it covers up some much more prescient uh, storylines of the Olympics. Not only like the things that are happening uh, in terms of great com- competition, but just all the backstory and, and Brazil as, as the host and, and all that um, kind of being covered up by what was four drunk dudes doing some stupid stuff one night uh, I, I i don't th- I, I wish that this wasn't the way olympic coverage was ending um it's it's kind of disappointing
1: especially after another dominant run by the swim team i mean it's overshadowing that as well and look this guy's a 12-time olympic medalist Uh, he has seven individual medals so he's second behind michael phelps with those 12-time olympic medals i mean it's not like this guy's some bum swimmer he is definitely one of the best athletes out there but it's just outside of the pool he just he's just kind of a character and doing something like that during the olympic games and look, let's not be naive here i'm certain the athletes out there celebrate when they win and that i'm not saying that you can't have a good time but you know doing stuff like that what they did at the gas station just causing ruckus in, in someone else's country even in your home country it's just, well, just in lying about it yeah and lying, and that's the even bigger thing he lied about it and he got his teammates stuck in brazil because of it while he you know got to slip away into america yeah it, it just was a whole bad situation and it's just not the way you should be handling yourself when you're representing your country on a stage like the Olympics.
0: Yeah. Again, I, I just wish it, it didn't end that way. I'm kind of unfortunate, but um, I guess that's, that's Ryan Lochte for you,
1: <laughs> man. Another four years till the next Olympics, Bob. It's uh, going to be a long time. Well, the next summer Olympics, winter games are in two years. Are you a summer games guy or a winter games guy? Which one do you like better?
0: i like the summer games better me
1: too i'm i'm more of a summer games guy but i am glad that they split them because um they used to be the same year and i feel like splitting them is better publicity for the olympics it it keeps the olympics in the spotlight a little bit more regularly than just every four years so good marketing move but i'm more of a summer olympics guy
0: yeah it's just more fun i think the events are more fun more exciting for sure
1: certainly All right, man, we jam-packed a lot into this podcast. Uh, Football is around the corner, so we're going to have some big-time football talk coming up in the next couple weeks. Don't miss our college football preview next week, our NFL preview the week after that. We'll talk a lot of Buckeyes and Browns and Big Ten and AFC North. Some of it will be good. Some of it will be bad. I think you can figure out which one might be a little bit better than the other. But, hey, leave you in suspense for now. But, yeah, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please come back to FenleyRoadSports.com. You can subscribe to our podcast, Clee Talk, through iTunes by searching FenleyRoadSports.com, or you can go to FenleyRoadSports.com and click the little iTunes icon in the upper right corner. That'll take you right there. Subscribe. And if you feel like it, give us a really good rating because we would appreciate that. You can also follow us on Twitter at Finley Road Sports or Instagram at Finley Road Sports. And please come back next week for another podcast, another Clee Talk, more sports, and lots of fun times. And hopefully we'll have more positive things to say after another successful road trip by the tribe. But until then, go tribe.
0: All right. I'll see you, Chris. Go tribe.
1: Take it easy, Bob.